Right, we'll turn to Matthew 24 again. I'm going to read a short portion here, and then we read in another uh, book later on. But Matthew 24, and starting to read at verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? Give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that is not that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, or cut him off, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we looked last week at some of the parables that were in this chapter, and we said they were known generally as the Olivet parables because Jesus spoke them he was on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and the message of them is for us to be watchful and ready the good man was ready and so were the disciples in verses 44 it says be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the son of man cometh we have to be ready be prepared was the boy scouts motto I think years ago And then he goes on, Jesus, to talk about faithful and wise servants. Who is then a faithful and wise servant? Jesus asks a question. and Presumably it was a rhetorical question because he goes on to answer it himself. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? to give them meat in due season. And then he goes on. What prompted Jesus to ask that question? Now we need to go back or forward to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, and we'll see the context of this parable. And we read from verse 35. Jesus had told them that wherever their treasure was, there would their heart be. And that we were to have lay up treasure in heaven and not on earth, where moths and dust corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But then he goes on, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Be ready. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. That when he cometh and knocketh they may open unto him immediately. 
Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. If he shall come in the second watch, or in the third watch, and find them so, that's find them waiting, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known at what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. And this is this is interesting. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? Is this parable especially for us, or is it for everybody? What Jesus was telling them about the good man of the house being ready. And then we come to the same question that Jesus asked in Matthew. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his house, to give them, the household that is, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Same parable practically as we have in Matthew. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in the day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, cut him off, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And of him to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Interesting. A degree of punishment for various people as there will be degrees of rewards. We must remember that in Scripture, in the Old Testament, there was a picture of the Lord of God, Jehovah, and he is referred to as the husband of Israel. In the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ is shown as and depicted as the bridegroom and the church being the bride. Church is the bride of Christ. In the Old Testament was Israel and Jehovah. Israel was treated as the wife and in the New Testament the church is treated as and depicted as the bride. And we have a lot of 
references to the bride and uh, the pictures of husband and wife and uh, Christ being the head of the church and the, the man is the head of the woman and so on. And so we have this talk that Jesus was giving in Luke chapter 12. And he says that the Lord will come at a time when people are least expecting it. When will this parable be enacted? And we have it there in verse 36 of chapter 12 of Luke. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. That's when. Now when, when will this be after the marriage of the bridegroom and the bride? That's when it's going to take place in time. Now we know that the marriage as it is spoken of in scripture the marriage of the church and Christ when they will be united together in heaven it will take place in heaven at a time when the great tribulation is taking place on earth in Revelation 19 verse 6 John records that I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. The church has been taken to heaven, and the marriage as it is depicted between Christ and the church takes place. In Revelation 19 verse 6. <clears throat> now we look at this whole question. Uh, the marriage of the Lamb. Some other time. However. As these servants in uh, verse 37. Are blessed because they are waiting for and expecting their Lord. Jesus says. They're to be ready. They're to be ready. Waiting for the Lord to come. As one who is expecting. The bride and bridegroom to come to the wedding feast after the wedding. And that's when it's going to take place. It's going to take place when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth at the end of the end. And just before the beginning of the next period. At the end of this age and at the beginning of the millennium where those two things meet. That's when our Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth with his saints as we constantly say and the, the picture of readiness applies to us who are members of the church to be ready when the Lord comes to take us to be with himself at the rapture but it equally applies to the Jews to be ready the godly remnant of Jews to be ready to welcome their true Messiah after the tribulation and Jesus gave that little parable and Peter asked do you speak this to us or to everybody and it was then that Jesus 
ask this question. Who is that faithful and wise steward? Now he calls him a steward in this particular case in Luke chapter 12. Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them, to give the household their portion of meat in due season. This servant, a servant in scripture is the definition of a servant is one who is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. One who is devoted to another and disregards his own interests. And that's why Paul calls himself a bond slave of Jesus Christ. A servant. One who is prepared to devote himself to the interests of another in disregard to his own interests. And in this particular case, he is called a steward. A steward. The definition of a steward in Scripture is a manager, a superintendent, to whom the head of the house or proprietor has entrusted the management of his affairs. That's this person. He has been entrusted with the management of the affairs by the Lord in this parable. The care of receipts and expenditures. The duty of dealing out the proper portion of anything to every servant under him. And to even the children of not yet uh, the age of discretion. Another word, uh, another occasion is used uh, in, in the Acts where it's the superintendent of the city's finances. The person in charge of the treasuries of the city. You know, we as Christians have been entrusted with many things, many treasures in God's word. And it is our duty to entrust those to others. To pass on what we know and what we have been told to other people. We have been entrusted by God. Admittedly, some people are entrusted with things more than others and have the duty to, uh, to teach and to, to proclaim more fully perhaps. But each one of us have been given something to treasure. But we should pass it on. In Malachi, there's an interesting verse. Malachi 3.16, it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. People who spoke and thought and told and spoke together about the Lord... God, it said, was writing a book of remembrance. And he's recording what we do and what we say in that book of remembrance. And he goes on to say, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that served him. We used to sing, I don't know whether you, you know it or not, we used to sing a, a hymn years ago, a kid's hymn, When He Cometh, When He Cometh, 
to make up his jewels. All his jewels, precious jewels, his loved and his own. Like the stars on the morning, his bright crown adorning. Little children, little children are the gems of his kingdom. You know, we have been entrusted with many jewels in God's word. But each one has been entrusted to tell others, to tell the little ones. Now, I don't really believe that little ones necessarily only mean children. It means those who are perhaps less able to understand things. They have to be told and they have to be taught to understand God's word. So that they too may come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Jesus in his talks throughout his lifetime was so careful to say that the little ones have to be cared for. And if anyone dares to lead one of these little ones astray, he says it was better of a millstone were tied about his neck and he was thrown into the sea. We must be careful how we carry out our duties in declaring God's love to others. And you know, at this time, we think it's difficult. But at the time when this parable will be enacted, during the tribulation period, it'll be so difficult for people to try and seek to witness for God and for Jesus Christ. Look at the duties of the servant we have in verse 42. Verse 42 of Luke 12. Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? He is the one who has charge over the household of God, the steward. He's been appointed. But look, look at the critical condition of employment here. Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household. It's the Lord who appoints this person. What are his duties? To feed the household of God. To give them their portion of meat. To feed them. I have no doubt that the answer that our Lord gave to Peter's question applies to the time in which Jesus was speaking it and to this time in which we live now but it will also be played out eventually in the time when, as Jesus said, when they will be waiting the return from the wedding of the bride and the bridegroom at the end of this age. Who appoints those in the household? Who appoints this person, this steward? It says, whom the Lord appoints. It's not done by prime ministers and godless parliaments. Sadly, that is how members are put into positions in churches today. But it says here, it's whom the Lord will appoint. It's not done by other men. It's not done by popes. It's not done by sinners. It's done by the Holy Spirit. You know, those who think that they have some authority from the apostles should read what the apostle Paul said regarding the appointment of elders at Ephesus. 
he disclaims from himself such authority and he was one of the apostles but he says take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock oh yes he's saying take heed to yourselves and take heed to the flock whom I have appointed you elders no he says over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers it's the Holy Ghost has appointed these people to feed the church of God exactly what Jesus was saying the job of this steward was this steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them the portion of meat in due season Paul it says the exact same thing he says take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood and you know Peter had asked this question here and it's interesting that Peter in his epistle in 1 Peter 5 verse 2 he says nearly the same thing again he says feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind don't be in this he says for the money neither has been lords over God's heritage but been ensamples to the flock and when the chief shepherd shall appear ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away Peter remembered what Jesus said here he remembered what Jesus spoke to him at the very end before Jesus was taken up into heaven feed my sheep feed my lambs he remembered what he was told I wish we could remember all the lessons we learn as we go through life Peter obviously did and he repeated them all in his epistles and when the chief shepherd shall appear that's what we're talking about here the chief shepherd is going to come back and he says if you feed your, the flock of God if you look after those if you do what God wants you to do in this life then you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away Peter was encouraging others to feed the flock freely you have received freely give they were not to charge for or sell the food they were to give it freely you know there are many today in what is called the ministry for personal gain you know Charles Wesley he lived on 40 pounds a year he got an increase in salary to 70 pounds a year what did he do he gave the 30 pounds away and kept on living at the 40 pounds a year that he had he had the right attitude and he says if you do that Peter says when the chief shepherd shall appear shall appear you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away now from that passage and others you know in, in I'll just read 2 Timothy 4 henceforth there is laid up for me Paul says a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day what day the day of God Christ's appearing not at the rapture but at the day 
of Christ's appearing. It would appear that rewards will be distributed in some way when Christ comes in his millennium reign. His appearing. The appearing is always used, that word, in relation to the second coming, the coming at the beginning of the millennium. When it says that his coming, it means the rapture. But at the appearing, it nearly it would appear to always mean the coming at that day. That day is also indicative of the day of the Lord. It will seem that the day of the Lord will be the time for reckoning with the workers and the final divine appraisal of service. And so we have that picture, which is a lovely picture, of a steward who is prepared to work for his Lord and to prepare to feed the flock of God and to give them their portion of food. But in verse 45, no, going back to 43, Jesus says, Because of that, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, verse 45, this is sad. But if that servant say in his heart, there is a possibility that this servant, although he has done what God wanted him to do, there is the possibility. And it's talking about the same servant. But if, but and if, that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken. Here we have a possibility of this servant, already described, betraying his position, and standing before God as a true servant. But, and if that servant say in his heart, you know, we're told in Scripture, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 4.23 Keep thy heart from all with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, our innermost thoughts, our innermost beings, our hearts. Keep it, protect it, guard it. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Paul was concerned for the Corinthians in Second Corinthians 11.3 But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. It isn't, it is, it's there in all its simplicity. And it's so easy for a child to understand. But it also is profound 
in its theology. But Paul says, I don't want your minds to be taken away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Or we will get people who will discuss great thoughts and great ideals about theology. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is so simple that even a child can understand it. Oh, help me understand it. Help me to take it in. What it meant to thee, God's only son, to bear away my sin. Keep our hearts. Guard our hearts. But this man, it says, if that servant say in his heart, he was losing that first love which he had for his Lord when he first knew him. When he first came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour, he was going, willing to do anything for his Lord, but in his heart he began to think, Oh, my Lord's delaying his coming. He said that he would come again, but he hasn't come. He's delayed his coming. If we, as this servant did, lose the importance and the expectancy of the rapture of the church, and if the God remnant in the last days lose the anticipation of the second coming of, the, of, of Christ as their true Messiah, then problems start to arise. He shall begin to beat the men servants and the, maid servants, the maidens under him. He shall begin to misuse and to mistreat those whom God has entrusted to his care. That's what it's saying here. His duty was to feed and nurture the flock. But this has been forgotten. Mistreatment may come in various guises. By feeding spiritual food which has no spiritual nourishment. Discussing topics which are of no relevance to people in their everyday lives. Feeding the family of God food which is not wholesome. Not based on the word of God. Not the true grain. We had that story with the prophet. When they went, the, the, the sons of the prophets went out and they gathered a whole lot of different herbs. Anything. And put it into the pot. And when the people started to eat out of what was in the pot, it was poisonous. And it was only till the prophet put in the meal the pure meal that that was made that the people could eat it. Today we have so many doctrines and so many people teaching things which are not in scripture that it's poisonous. And it is only when the pure meal of the word of God is applied to people's hearts and lives that that poisonous can be got rid of. Feeding the family of God that which is not wholesome. What they want to hear rather than what is needful for them for spiritual growth. We, we have today a lot of talk about obesity in children. <laughs> Overindulgent parents giving their children sweets and chocolates and crisps and all those things and thereby they're producing unhealthy, overweight, unhealthy offspring. 
We rightly criticize such parents for their stupidity. But similarly, how much more seriously we should criticize those in charge of churches today who are prepared to teach doctrines which are not in accordance with God's word. And he shall, it says here, begin to eat and drink and be drunken. Instead of feeding the flock, he starts feeding himself. He started off feeding the flock of God, but he has, because his heart has been turned away from God, he now starts feeding himself. And he mixes with the drunkards and with the drunk, those who are drunk. And he starts to feed himself. How often this has happened throughout history. Men who commenced on the Christian journey feeding the flock and ended up abusing their position and those under their care and feeding themselves. And strangely enough, we were listening to the radio this morning and we were reminded of this. Cranmer, Archbishop Cranmer, he was a man who was persecuted for his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, he, he, he had a lot to put up with. And he, he, he wrote some things and admitted to some things which were not strictly in accordance with God's word. And the, the, the uh, Queen Mary was out to get him, one way or the other. And he was accused of treason and that was dropped and then he was accused of heresy. And this week is the, the week, uh, 21st of March, commemorating when he went to the stake. Uh, I'll just read out. Here was a, a church which had set out initially as purporting to be the church of Jesus Christ. And here's what they were prepared to do to this man of God. A man called Cole gave a sermon. They brought Cranmer from prison. Uh, he was a pathetic looking character in a disheveled robe. And he was made to stand on a stage while this man Cole gave a sermon. And then he gave the opportunity to Cranmer to, I pray thee, Master Cranmer, openly express the true profession of your faith that all men may understand that you are a Catholic indeed. Cranmer turned the tables on them completely. I will do it, said the Archbishop, and that with a good will. He began to speak thus unto the people. For as much as I am come to the end of my life, whereupon hangeth all my life to come, either to live with my master Christ forever in joy, or else to be in pain forever with wicked devils in hell. And I see before mine eyes presently either heaven ready to receive me, or hell ready to swallow me up. I shall therefore declare unto you my very faith, without any colour or dissimulation, for now is no time to dissemble. Whatsoever I have said or written in time past. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and I believe every word and sentence taught by our Saviour Jesus Christ, his apostles and prophets in the New and Old Testament. And now I come to the great thing which so much troubleth my conscience, more than anything that ever I did or said in my whole life, and that is the setting abroad of a writing contrary to the truth, which now here I renounce and refuse, as things written with my hand contrary to the truth which I taught, which I thought in my heart, and written for fear of death, and to save my life if it might be. And that is, all such bills and papers which I have written or signed with my hand since my degradation wherein I have written many things untrue and forasmuch as my hand offended writing contrary to my heart my hand shall first be punished therefore for may I come to the fire it shall be first burned and as for the Pope I refuse him as Christ's enemy and Antichrist with all his false doctrine. And the people were so amazed that he had done this. They had expected him to uphold what he had written. But he had decided to stand for the truth. And they put him to the fire. And as we just see. And when the wood was kindled and the fire began to burn near him Stretching out his hand, he put his right hand into the flame, which he held so steadfast and immovable, saving that once with the same hand he wiped his face, that all men might see his hand burned before his body was touched. His hand did abide the burning with such steadfastness that he seemed to move no more than the stake to which he was bound. His eyes were lifted up into heaven, and he repeated his unworthy right hand, so long as his voice would suffer him. And using often the words of Stephen, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In the greatness of the flames, he gave up the ghost. And on the 21st of March, I think it was 1553, he was burned at the stake. There was a church which was purporting to uphold the teachings of Jesus Christ and probably which started off in, in, in that way had now turned so completely as to burn Archbishop Cranmer at the stake. Augustine is another one. Augustine the late, the lately, later on became the Bishop of Hippo. At the age of about 32 he was truly converted. And his, wife, his mother had been a praying woman and she, she was not surprised that he had become a Christian. But, you know, afterwards his doctrines degenerated into something. His teachings became so diverse and so far away from the teachings of Scripture. It caused unmiserable suffering through the error he taught. He taught that people were to be compelled to come into the church. He said some might be attracted by love, but it was more important that they were compelled 
through fear even and through inquisition and because of his teachings paper Rome became more vicious than pagan Rome and the bloody inquisition fled uh, came from his teachings you know this this is the type of thing that was going to happen to this man here this steward who changed his heart changed his allegiance oh it pays us it will pay us to keep close to the Lord to keep true to his word to keep true to his doctrine because we have seen throughout history how often men have turned away from the truth and we see it so much even in our own days and then the punishment the punishment that this servant would receive according to Jesus he said it would come upon this man unexpectedly in verse 46 the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and at an hour when he is not aware oh he, he said that the Lord is going to come back and people will not be expecting him and that's when it's going to come he says it will come at a day when they're not expecting him and it will be severe his portion shall be with the unbelievers but it will also be proportional to the degree of knowledge they have see we're now living in the age of grace Hebrews 4.14 seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus Christ the Son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities the Lord Jesus Christ he, he, he knows our weaknesses he knows our infirmities we have, we, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted as we were he's been through it all but he didn't sin without sin let us therefore come boldly into the presence of God the presence of the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need we can come in repentance and faith if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when repentant we may obtain mercy and forgiveness however at the time this parable will be enacted it will be under different conditions the day of the Lord that will be a time of justice of rewards of wages for service it will be a time when judgment will be on the basis of service and the knowledge we have and the knowledge that has been given to people within that time cutting off certainly allows for severe punishment but the punishment will also be proportionate to the knowledge and those people have at that particular time it says in verse 47 and that servant which knew the Lord's will 
and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Punishment will be proportionate to the knowledge which has been given to any particular person. Now whatever is the exact interpretation, we must accept that for those who accept the important task of teaching in the church of Jesus Christ, there is a solemn warning here. James, writing in James 3 verse 1, says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. Those who are prepared to put themselves forward to teach in the church of Jesus Christ, be, be prepared because you will be judged harsher than those who do not take up that responsibility. And so, that is the parable of those servants to whom God has given the responsibility of meeting out the portion of teaching and looking after those in the household of God. Let us value and treasure the teaching which has been entrusted to us and make sure that we discharge that office of teaching as Paul did and so he could look forward to a crown. He says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8 Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge thank God, God is righteous. The Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing.